Welcome to iPodcast Magic Missile, where we play games and talk geek. Broadcasting every week from the New River Valley in the beautiful mountains of Southwest Virginia, we bring you audio from some of the most exciting games, new and old. No actual wizard spells here, just actual play from great games. This is iPodcast Magic Missile. How did you read that? I read it completely differently from everyone else did. I read it as a story about mental illness. Now, activist communities are fighting over this one. Autistic <laughs> community wants this movie, and the gay community wants this movie. And neither of us will have it. When will people learn that gay people don't have the power to destroy people with their minds? <laughs> my Wait, my thing, don't. my thing is that if they're going to have it mean that, just have a, a goddamn gay princess, but. I understand why they can't have that. I understand why. They had a gay shopkeeper. They had the sauna, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That was cute. (laughs) I saw that, I'm like, frozen. frozen. Uh, Did they just do that? They just did that. They just did it. The other other thing I I, I loved was the the, the call out to Joan of Arc in like the first scene. It was like, this is what we're doing, by the way. Yeah. You know, in case you were at all uncertain. The her first Merkel was very different. And I I loved the, the message at the end where instead of there being everything solved. Spoilers. Go ahead. I, I liked that you it, it the act of love uh, that saved her was not getting kissed by her one true love, that it was doing something nice for her sister. Oh, I thought that was nice. And by nice, you mean, you know, sacrificing her, 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 life. her life. Yeah. I thought that was a good <laughs> message. It was an excellent message. Don't sacrifice your life if you can help it. Like, only if you absolutely have to, by the way. To our listeners, we do not endorse... Wonton I also like the message. You can only do it once. I liked everyone <laughs> so laughing. Make sure at, it's a good cause. <laughs> I liked everyone laughing at Anna for falling in love and one getting get engaged on the first day. She <laughs> oh, that someone. was awesome. And honestly, just the relationship between Anna and Elsa was yeah. awesome. Like it was really, it was really moving. Like the whole like, like I almost cried during the Wonderful Snowman. I was like. I thought I was going to hate the snowman watching the previews. Yeah, I did too. And I loved the snowman. He was I not Jar Jar Binks. He, I thought he, he was, was Jar Jar Binks by a mile. Yeah, and but he, he wasn't. But a, but, a, but a better version of Jar Jar Binks that doesn't suck. I don't think he was anything like Jar Jar Binks. I don't have a neck or bones. <laughs> I love that. There was, was a little bit of Brooke from One Piece there, too. Yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> I have no eyes. <laughs> Oh man, but very cute. But a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a better uh, message than Snow White. She was smarter than we think. Seven doors, that perfect height. Seven noses, pink. Have you guys heard that song? No, but no. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> Behind every good woman is a trail of men. Oh, oh, oh my! <laughs> I approve, but I love it. Oh, oh, oh my! <laughs> oh man. Actually, the the trailer for Maleficent was up there when we saw it. That's true. Which is cool. I have no idea what to make of that at all. They've been they've been promoting it for like years. I remember seeing the poster for it like four years ago. I remember too. I just don't know like whether that means that it's just highly well advertised or what. Is this their answer to Wicked? Is this Disney's answer to Wicked? I think it is. Which would be cool because Wicked needs to come to the movie screen. I I want to watch it. I, I don't want to see the show. I haven't. I haven't. When I'm too much of a baby. poor person. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know where you would go to. I guess maybe they play in D, Maybe he's playing DC or something. I saw it in New York and it was amazing. 
It, it was just the book itself. So I read the book a while back, and the book was okay. It wasn't like I think the musical is better. That's because it wasn't. I think the 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 book was good for what it was doing. Like yeah. I mean, I liked the idea, and then everyone copied the idea. Just the same thing with uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. But uh, part of the problem I think with the book was, and uh, again, this is this may this is not really spoilers since is is a it's been out forever, and b like you know how the story goes. But her sort of descent into madness seemed a little forced. Yeah. Because you needed to get her to the point where she was sending flying monkeys after Dorothy. Yeah. You need to watch more wrestling, then it doesn't seem very forced at all. <laughs> See, really, the only thing you need to get someone to become a bad guy is to be betrayed once, and only once, and then they will instantly change everything about their personality. He was complaining that, that Elsa works? didn't have enough of a heel turn. Yeah, And I, I was like, no, Elsa wasn't a heel! Elsa was never a heel. <laughs> she should have been an ice princess queen. The, the, the... Empress. That, that was what I wanted to point out. This is the first movie, Disney movie, I could be wrong, but I want to say first where the, main the character is a queen. princess character, one of the princess characters, is actually the queen of things. Because you have dead parents in movies all the time, dead royalty parents, and still have a princess for some reason it instead seems, of the queen. And she was actually hard. the queen in this movie. It seems kind of hard. Which is also the new. I love that. Yeah, it, it, seems, uh, it seems impressive. Uh, interesting feat. What about Princess Bubblegum? She's like 5,000 years old. I think they don't really understand. 1,000 years old, sorry. I actually don't think they've got very good language uh, from the old times. Uh, I think Princess... Maybe a poor translation. Well, actually, it's actually interesting Maybe because if you look an at... an elected princess like in Star Wars. Mm, if you, I remember if, that. If you actually look at how the, these things work, there's based based on... Um, now, obviously Elsa would be queen because she's the child mm-hmm. of two royal parents, but there are cases where uh, when someone marries outside the royal family where the... No, that's, that's always when you marry and you mm-hmm. become a princess, but you don't become a queen. Mm-hmm. That's no, yeah. different. Uh, some... Places you you do need uh, to wait until you've come of age. Yeah, but that can, well, that's what they had happen. But coming of age is pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you're old enough to walk on your own, you've probably come of age. <laughs> <laughs> if she's out of diapers, good enough. <laughs> I still haven't seen Rapunzel. Oh, Tangled, you mean? Which is uh, yeah, Tangled. Which I hear that one is about abusive relationships. Mm, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense. I I love Frozen. Not dress with cold. Yeah, I know. That thing was made of ice. I wouldn't wear a dress made of ice. Because she generated it with her ice powers. She didn't generate it over her regular dress, however. Well, she also said that the cold never bothered her anyway. It's true. Several times. Yeah, that's true. That's the point. I was saying it may have a snow lining. (laughs) Nice soft snow lining. Nice soft snow lining. That's how that works, right? Now I, I haven't actually seen the dress. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm picturing like a dress that like is continually generated, and like the outside of it is constantly flicking off. As that, that would, would also awesome. have been really cool. Mm-hmm. It's not what happened. Hers yeah. is more like a diaphanous sex thing. It was a sparkly dress. It was a sparkly, sparkly blue dress rather than a uh, ice dress. That's my review of the dress. Could have been better. Could have been better. Step it up. Second Disney. dress will be better. Second second dress. Improve on it. You know what I want. She should just have strapped giant heavy ice boulders to her and just smashed everything. No, I want to see what the dress looks like. <laughs> frozen dress. Just type in frozen dress. That was a literal frozen dress. In that. Mm-hmm. It was cute. That was cute. It was. That was, that was absolutely adorable. I like your interpretation of it being a uh, mental illness better than uh, an LGBTA. Well, I'm thing. just sick of I'm just sick of the queer community. Uh, the metaphor for their oppression being 
the oppression of people with physically deadly, dangerous traits. <laughs> like Fair vampirism. To like, be fair. Like, like True fair. Blood. True Blood. A lot of people pointed out that if you want to do vampirism as a metaphor, it should be a metaphor for privilege. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh, totally I'm one true. of the good vampires. Why are you scared of me? Well, because historically you suck my blood and whoa, murdered whoa, whoa. my people. <laughs> We're one of the 99% of, of the... people on this earth who aren't vampires. There are very few vampires on this planet. Spread around the vampire blood, maybe. Well, the irony, the, here's the thing, the irony, the, or, or the, the, the difficulty actually with coming up with those metaphors becomes the fact that, that, that homosexuality or queerness in general is treated as something harmful by society, despite harming no one. one. Right. So it's like this. It's like this. This thing. Like, like how? How actually would you? It's got to be auto vampirism. I, I disagree. How actually, would you? Be, re- being gay is harmful to the person who's being gay because society is a dick. That's true. Yeah, but 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 it's like being poor is harmful to the person who's poor because you don't have yeah the same number of options as other people. So I'm not really itself. Yeah, you could be secretly poor. Yes, that's the other problem with it. Like like. Coming up with a fictional metaphor that isn't just the thing that you're making a metaphor for is difficult. Yeah. At some point, we can just have one of those. Because days. all of the metaphors they've come up with are metaphors that, you know, like, you know, straw man has a point kind of things, you know. Maybe these are dangerous people. Maybe we should be tracking them. Whereas, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I like do see shitty... what you're saying. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a bit of a, of a conundrum, an enigma, if you will. Well, I, I just think people aren't creative enough anymore. They used to be. No, I just think in general. I know. I think I'm it sure is anymore. It's just because all, all the creative stuff's already been done, so all that's left is to steal. Dante bastard. Sticking himself in Virgil. I don't remember that part. Literature has gone downhill. Literature's gone downhill. <laughs> so what do we want to talk about today? Literature has gone downhill. It has. What remember that time that there were books and they were better than the new books? It's you know, you know I'm I'm not actually sure I agree with that. There's an awful lot of the quote unquote classics which I really didn't like, and I did not think were all that excellent. It was and, pretty shitty. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely know. true. No, because it's older, it's better. Yes, everyone knows. There's it, and actually that's a problem with fiction. Like like you look at Tolkien, and Tolkien seems I mean Tolkien's dated for a lot of reasons. But part of the reason is that everyone has done Tolkien to death. Also, yeah. more fucking racism. And so, well, that too. Yeah. Well, and but, some people have done classism. Tolkien no, really classism. Tolkien Yeah, did it. a lot of people have done Tolkien. But he better. was the first, and therefore yeah. does get some credit for that. Like, there's oh, something sure. to be said for being the first, even if you're dry and racist, and classist, <laughs> it, they, and sexist. Knowing, knowing the origins <laughs> of He's something all, is, yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's like saying that an Atari is better than an Xbox 360. I still feel like it's valuable to have played Atari games, but compared to the shit we've got today, you know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't. I, I can't picture anyone becoming, like, enthralled with Pitfall, except for possibly on their phone at the bus stop. Uh, Even then, it's Pitfall. Yeah. Have you ever played Pitfall? Yeah. It wasn't as good as, like, Space Invaders or Centipede, but... You know, in my I opinion. didn't have a lot of other options, no, so you it didn't. seemed awesome. Was there ever a Space Invaders 2? No, because uh, we successfully repelled the invasion. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Actually, no. Actually, we lost, so that's why there was never... Uh, we lost a lot. Yeah. No, I, I don't think anyone ever beat it, because if I remember right, that's one of those games that when you got to level 99, instead of going to 100, it went back to zero. Or crashed. No, no. We didn't, didn't expect anyone to get that high. Oh, God. 
I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Space Invaders is one of those games that was actually completely unbeatable. But the best you could do was have the highest score. Yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, seems... because because of the mechanics of what sped it up. Now I forget what what was it that was making it speed up? Loading rate. Oh, because there were so right. many on the screen, so they would get faster as you. Oh, is that actually why? It was yeah. actually like the... well, that's part of the reason why. I'm sure there's yeah. also a time but, in there, but yeah, that's yeah, a the, big reason. But it was why compute it was... cycles. Yeah, yeah. That's they, awesome. they had a they, there was a uh, delay at the first level, and each level the delay went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know. But the there was also a mechanical speed increase as you killed them because they mm-hmm. didn't change the delay to compensate for having to draw less objects on the screen. Right. That's awesome. Um, also meant that blowing up the little defensive things yeah. uh, was not a good idea because that would also increase the frame rate. Mm-hmm. Well, because they're possible. defensive. They're slowing down the enemy ships. With yes. covering fire. That, that's kind of covering awesome. Covering fire and not uh, CPU cycle. <laughs> Does that mean your bullets also went faster? Yes. Everything mm-hmm. everything went faster. Well, you wouldn't want yeah, to... it's, it's just a... That's awesome. But it the... wouldn't be faster relative to your opponent. Your opponent was a machine. Well, your opponent is a machine in that case. You don't think machines are people? No. Oh. You probably I mean, not yet. We know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's a different thing. <laughs> not anymore. Moves are really pretty. Oh, thank you. Every it, Evidently, everyone makes this pa- this pattern. It's a glove, by the way. Fingerless glove. Yeah, I'm making these. Why very does nice one have ones? that like, terrible white thing in it? That one, that's where the thumb's going to go. I ah. pulled the white thread out and I did it around there. I just think you made a huge mistake. Has <laughs> <laughs> to be fixing it by putting the wrong color thread in and leaving a tail. He's really bad at it. I'm terrible at this job. <laughs> no. Oh god. So so here's the thing: if you're ever going to knit, um, and you're new, relatively new to both uh, knitting on double points and cabling, and you're tempting to finish something, don't um, after like no sleep and you know 50 hours of work week try at one in the morning to finish the last cable row. <laughs> in fact, don't do anything important at that time period no matter what you're doing. <laughs> because it's like writing prose. Sometimes I must have or getting drunk and watching Netflix. I said important. I must oh, that is important. <laughs> yes, it is. I must have dropped so many stitches, knit back the wrong way on a needle, <laughs> <laughs> and had to undo everything. It was terrible. <laughs> And Jed was just laughing at me the whole time because we just couldn't finish playing Apocalypse World. And hey, people with your technology and communicating over the internet, jeez. So what should we talk about? Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about what we should talk about. Now we have all like run games for this group. Like what we've learned, maybe something like that. We can talk about that, or I don't know. I'm, I'm don't have it an executive Asshole. dysfunction disorder and try to run a campaign. I think is really the take home message <laughs> for me, anyway. <laughs> Lean heavily on the players to figure out what's going on. <laughs> They'll tell you the rules. It's fine. That's also true. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I love leaning on players. No, it's funny because actually we were we we're just talking about or just thinking about like what I want to run at Origins. We're going to Origins this year for Games on Demand, which evidently I am because everyone's going to be there, not Gen Con, because Origins is way cheaper, also in Columbus. And, like, what I've realized is, like, the games I like to run and the games I like to play, especially in a con setting, are entirely different. I like to run stuff, like, that's either really freeform and, like, with a lot of player input, the Almighty Thews, Siren, or something like Fiasco or Durance, or something like I go for, like, the 
supernatural stuff, monster of the week. I like I like running dread. Maybe Joanna will get me write me another awesome dread scenario to take. But like the stuff I like to play, that's a completely different story. What's your playing preferences? Well, if 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 I if I if I run games with sharp, then um, I I like my games that I'm playing in hot and weird. Okay. I gotta get at least one monster hearts in or something to that effect on any given thing. There's something, there's something actually really neat about exploring your boundaries with people you don't really know well. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure I entirely agree. I mean, well, I mean, this is personal. This is just, this is just my like. You're wrong. Yes. Your personal opinion is wrong. <laughs> I, I think, I think that can be really useful. Um, because you do start to wonder sometimes if some of the, the, the things you're seeing in yourself and the way you're acting are just mechanics of the, the small group that you're usually in. Mm-hmm. So you need to figure out that if it, it, it's a, a function of that or your play style, if it's something you need to change or what. All of the, the characters I've played and debates apart from this group have been very different. But I think there are other reasons for that, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my, when I'm playing, one of my favorite things to try and do is, is play a type of character I haven't played before, which is becoming increasingly difficult. Um, <laughs> it happens over time. <laughs> yeah. my What I like to run is more weird stuff. Over the Edge is one of my favorite games, and Paranoia. In some ways, Paranoia isn't even all that weird. I guess the tropes of the game are maybe a little le- less relevant now that we're so far removed from the Cold War. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. But I think it was the dark humor. I definitely like dark stuff in games. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm running or playing, that that is true. I think that's the common thread for me too. Is that I I love throwing in an element that makes people go, <gasps> yeah, Sur- surprising anybody, myself or somebody else. I think is one of my favorite moments in in any role role playing game. Mm-hmm. And again, one of the things I really like about story gaming is. You know, in D and I'm not gonna surprise myself. That no. is almost never gonna happen. But like, twice shooting uh, Shaza, I wasn't expecting that yep. any more than anybody else was. That was so um, great, though. Yeah, no, good. it just was like, okay, this is what's gonna happen, and I'm like, well, uh, I'm glad I'm just running you and not actually you. <laughs> um, but even more than that, I like to like I'll suddenly throw something super heavy at my players, like. Um, in in Apocalypse World, this Apocalypse World campaign I'm running on, you know, roughly every other week on on Hangouts. Um, the Brainer, I it, at some point in the Maelstrom, we found out that the Brainer's sister had died, like when they were much younger on a on a on a scavenging mission. And so, um, and we have a Macaluso. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Macaluso no. is really interesting. Macaluso is a playbook. Well, instead of playing one PC, you actually play this sort of, like, hive mind that controls multiple NPCs that sort of act as your... So they're, 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 they're made of paper, like NPCs, cool. but they're disposable, basically. Is that like Tumtum, or...? Well, Tumtum could have been a Macaluso, but actually, typically, Macalusos are... The individual personalities are a little more autonomous and a little more differentiated than that. Like, okay. you start out with weird two, and then the rest of your stats are zero, but each of the other guys will have a... Or gals or, or people will have a plus two to one set and a minus two to the other, and it's different from personality to personality. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The Brainer has experienced enough of the Macaluso 
had sex with at least two of its different personalities at this point, <laughs> um, to sort of get an idea of what it is. And, you know, we've sort of determined that the Macaluso is actually sort of a cosmic horror oh. in the Maelstrom. They were, they were conversing in the Maelstrom, and um, they sensed other presences and, you know, something, something sort of hovering around them and coming close. And the Macaluso sort of reached out in the Maelstrom, blew a roll... So we decided that what the Mechalusa does is when it materializes a new personality, it actually warps reality to create a person that hadn't existed before. Ooh, that's awesome. But that person might be someone's daughter. That's awesome. That's so, freaky. Yeah, see, this is this is what I do. I also like season four of Buffy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't take it from <laughs> that, but well. thanks as well. Um so the but in this case the Mac it's sort of a it's sort of a, a, a self defense reaction, this 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 creature in the maelstrom, it shunted this thing into reality, and it turns out it was the spirit of the Brainer's dead sister. Yeah, I like the dark games. Yeah. And I think there's also... I don't know how much of that story I'm going to actually keep it. It doesn't necessarily have to be also dark in a hair on the back of your neck kind of way either. It can just be... I think it's I think it's it's sometimes easier, we've talked about it before, to explore traumas in games. You had um, a very intimate moment with uh, Grace that worked out very well. Spoiler alert. Because, like, there's a lot of horror in the world, and it's, and it's easier to deal with in certain things. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of our gaming has been... There's been stuff in every single game we play that's been an exploration of something sort of deep and dark. Yeah. Which is awesome. Just putting yourself in the shoes of the other, too, I think is a really important yeah. thing. Although that's balanced, like what you said before, like, like about I was saying issues of representation. Yeah. Whereas... That's a really hard one, because you're, you're trying to learn how to empathize. I think that what you can do is you can create a, a roughly analogous situation um, for your character and just not have it be the same kind of thing. Just something where at least you can get something of the, a similar structure to the experience, even though it's not going to have ever have the same um, qualia. And that's actually that's actually a bit of a trick there, right? Because if you're effectively reproducing some sort of thing, mm. you know, it's like. There are games that that sort of you know reproduce the horrors of colonialism without it may, making it specifically about, about Earth races. Yeah. But how much of how much of the actual experience of that do you bring in before it just becomes a thinly veiled cipher for someone's actual experience? Well, you can just have it have completely different things happen in it. It's just that's true. But I do think putting yourself in the shoes of a character does help you, even if you don't do it totally accurately. Yeah, well, I mean, the you goal attempt, is you, would you just have create a new situation. Yeah. At least can help you have some empathy for what something of that uh, that vague structure is like. You don't try to go for the real thing. You don't try to to resemble the real thing. It's like it's like you know what the X Men did. Though I was complaining about them making you know How every, historical every... you know racism or heterosexism depending on the generation you're looking at. You know, talking about a group of people who is genuinely naturally dangerous when it comes to mutants, and that's that's troublesome. But I think it doesn't. You don't. You could use a less stupid metaphor, but still, I think it's useful for people to read those things to understand things Absolutely. like oppression and fighting for survival and stuff like that. So and there's like and there's, privilege. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the thing is that if you have a game designer, um, you know, some like uh, like uh, Liam Burke. Uh, who wrote Dog Eat Dog, which is a game we... I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Dog Eat Dog? No. Oh, that sounds really familiar. Dog Eat Dog is a game about colonialism. It's a, it's actually yeah. a game about colonialism. It's a game about... 
uh, one person plays the occupying force and the other people play the natives, basically. But, you know, he's drawing from his experience as in his Filipino, I think he's Filipino, but his heritage, you know, being from a colonialized people to create a game where he's helping to give people who may, you know, and in a given game, everyone may be, you know, white or whatever, but he's, you know, an American, but he, he's, he, he's creating an experience for them to play that he feels is going to give them a taste, a look into what that's like. Mm. The same thing would happen, like I said, I play Grace, you know, um, but we have women at the table who can, you know, either deliver that experience or who can, you know, tell me if I'm doing it wrong, right? Mm. It's different, I think. There's a lot of weird gray area there. Yeah. And I thought we said we were going to talk about something light and happy. Well, we can. <laughs> no, no, I don't care. It's a, it's, it's a really interesting I, conversation. I also want to have serious talks. It's just like, you know, I think we should have some levity in there. Yeah. But um, I, I think, for example, Grace was... The key there was, I think it was empathy. Um, yes. And, and treating that as if it is your life. And... Mm-hmm. And it was extremely affecting. I've, I've written about this, but the, especially the first few sessions, uh, you know, when she's basically sex trafficked and abused, I went home, you know, kind of in shock after one of those sessions. It was an extremely affecting experience. You did a wonderful job, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah. But, um, which, you know, was kind of what I was looking for, really. And I'm just, this is making me th- feeling, remember being, playing Big Fucker and being physically upset about my relationship with Eliza and like wanting to <laughs> make sure everything turned out okay and my little nuclear family I had constructed with you. I remember there was like, with, with three. There was like two hours where you wouldn't talk to me. I was so angry found it. found. <laughs> <laughs> for putting Eliza in danger and putting three in danger, I could not. That was a really interesting thing for me. Because Big Fucker is a very different person from me, but I, like I, I definitely wanted to to embody embody him. You know, we have you know that, that part of that is also like how much bleed do you want in a game? Mm-hmm. I love bleed, but I'm also very method. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of it, that's part of my payoff. And I think it seems like you you really do want to get into your character mm-hmm. too and. I want to have a genuine emotional experience when I'm playing a character. There are places now where I think that's totally inappropriate. Like, a lot of D&D campaigns, you don't want to do that. That would no, just be stupid. Be it would dumb. be out of place. It would be an unfun game. But for story gaming, I really enjoy a little bit of bleed. And if we're doing a non-serious thing, then I will just, you know, completely... I mean, it's reflected in my character choice. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah. What was... <laughs> George Jeggings. <laughs> robot. That's classy. Oh. So how do you set up a, a good session for appropriate levels of bleed? So without getting out Ooh, of control. That's a really good question. That's a topic I want to talk about. So can, can we define what you mean by bleed before you get to Okay, it? yeah, we should probably do that. So bleed is a thing. It, it, I, people talk about bleed actually a lot. I, I think the term might even come from Nordic LARP. Okay. Um, but it's it's this concept that that your emotional state and your more? character's emotional state can mingle a little bit or a lot over the course mm-hmm. of a session. Some people play for. I mean, Nordic LARP basically says you play for bleed. It's one of the it's one of the goals. Is it, it you play to feel things? Now I play to feel things, so I totally like. I'm really into bleed. I want to bleed as much as possible. 
sentences Gross. to take out of context. Or are they? <gasps> um, but I think it's also really important. So, I mean, obviously there are things like veils and mm-hmm. ways to create a situation where it is a safe and good idea to have that instead of a terrible idea that derails the game and also just makes people really uncomfortable. <laughs> Start with not crazy people. You mean in well, real life or characters? Yes. I'm a crazy person. Yeah, I, I was like gonna say that I can handle Blade. Let's let, let's cut the ableism a little bit. We're all well. Some of us here, are, some of us here are not entirely Whoa. mentally healthy. Whoa. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person in the entire world who's not crazy. <laughs> oh, there you go. Makes sense. So, in most defense, you're probably talking colloquial crazy. I do. I do I... mean colloquial crazy. I mean like try to keep an eye out for people who don't have a good, strong grasp on the difference between like. I'm playing in a game, and I'm gonna go not talk to my husband for an hour because <laughs> he did something bad to my character. For and the way the title applies to me. <laughs> Blackleaf. The hour's no. not that long. <laughs> <laughs> you, you shouldn't have hurt my wife. Girlfriend? That was a weird. It, it was, was an ill defined relationship. I offered to marry you. Hmm? The two of you. I didn't offer oh, to yeah. marry you. I was like, I don't remember this. I remember <laughs> like, hey, big fucker. I remember the thousand big fucker. You offered to marry everybody else. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, you're absolutely right. And like, like, so yeah, you, you want to make sure you trust the people that you're playing. Trust with. Trust your people. You know, you, it's good. To, uh, sometimes uh, playing with strangers isn't a bad idea. The other thing is know what people want. I think there's a different levels of preference for bleed even within our group. There's significant difference of levels of preference mm-hmm. for bleed. Um, uh, for my part, I, I don't think it's consistent. Like, right. some, sometimes I'm more into into a character, and other times I just want to, you know, drive a giant mech suit around and blow shit up. Mm-hmm. And even the same character over the course of the arc, I may become more or less heavily invested in the character. Right. Um, so I think an, a sort of an interesting you know, sort of discussion here could be. At what moments in campaigns have we experienced, like, the most bleed, the least bleed, like, experience bleed, experience, not experience it when we wanted to, and maybe we can analyze that, right? So we can actually say, like, oh, here's the thing that happened, or if there's ever been a time where we really pushed the limit of what somebody was willing to endure emotionally, and we either had to dial it back, or we had to sort of pause and say, hey, is everybody okay right now? Because that's happened a couple of times. That has. So I, I, I apologize for Chloe. I don't think first and foremost. Oh, we, no, there, but there was, a, there was another time that, that we actually, the, you dear listeners have not even heard, because we, we cut it out of the recording. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, we don't have to go back there. We don't. No. We don't. There's a lot of, uh, uh, so I, I guess I'll start with one that actually wasn't for me. It was for a dangerous situation that I should have been more careful about. And that was with the, uh, the Grace character. Mm-hmm. I put Grace into certain situations where I thought I under, I, I thought that you wanted to feel bullied in certain ways. And, and I happened to be right, but I could have not have been right. And that would have been really bad. And I should have asked. You know, I think I did. but I was trying I think, to coax certain things. I think I think before the campaign, I did come to you and say, "Male privilege, mine, take all of it." Yeah. So that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I pretty much. Now you're right. Oh, got taken. You, you rode right up to the edge, but mm-hmm. it was good. It was exactly what I was looking for. It was really, really hard. That is the most bleed I've ever felt. When I go home that evening, and 
lie in bed awake thinking if there was something else I could have done or said to prevent that from happening to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mission accomplished in a terrible, horrible, awful sort of way. Good job. I didn't really feel any blade with man. Must have because I felt like I was infringing on someone else's territory with him. No, oh, you did a great job with man. But but I mean, like I never felt. It's hard to feel characters you feel like you slip into. Yeah, and it's just like a different you, (laughs) even if they're not like you in any way, Mm. personality wise. I mean, they're just extremely natural Mm. to fall into, and it never fell into man. Yeah. Oh, I think part of it is that you saw man as someone else's character. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know how many story games out there that have anything. Quite like pregens, where you get to see them a little bit in action beforehand. This is true to a much lesser extent in uh, Dread, where they have a pregenerated character, which you get to fill in some blanks. But you are filling them in. But you're filling those in. They make and and even in Lady Blackbird, which has pregens, you get to still decide what kind of person that character Mm -hmm. is. Your Lady Blackbird, when you played, was very different from any other Lady Blackbird I've ever seen. She was very, very rich. <laughs> Big fucker all the time I had a lot of weak, and I think part of that is that he, he's probably the character I played that I related to the most in terms of, like, I had a lot of effort went into him, and uh, so I, I became invested in a in the, the family and the perspective, and, and when we figured out backstory and stuff like that. So that was a, a session by session I was... I knew it was going to be something I experienced, and that was something I looked forward to, because I don't know that was that was just a, a really fun one to do. You definitely don't need to be exactly like that person, no. either in personality or in physical appearance, in order to have uh, a bleed. I think it's empathy. You yeah, have to I have think, good empathy, empathy with based. the character. Yeah. yeah, I definitely felt in a similar manner regarding uh, Eliza. She was definitely very different from me in, in a lot of respects, but also very the same in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Like, I could tell that you you that you know to be honest with you, everybody in that game I think put a lot of themselves in their characters, mm-hmm. which made it a really powerful game. Well, I, part of it I think is that also it was my first real experience with Apocalypse World, mm-hmm. um, so I just kind of went went ahead and was like, okay, this is this is my character. I'm gonna try and make him a real person. And part of that meant investing some of myself into the character. Mm. Um, and I feel like doing that caused the, caused more bleed than the character being. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it seems like I was putting into the character rather than the character bleeding into me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it does definitely go both ways. Like, I think one of the interesting things is I think is, I think sometimes we try not to bleed too much into the character. We try to have the bleed go the other way. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I think people don't... I Maybe we can say, I sort of look down on people who just play themselves all the time in a game. And I think you see this more in like D&D and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Where the, the, the characters are really just sort of player ciphers anyway. But there's, I think there even, you have different levels of that. There's a, there's like a, you know, you shouldn't, I feel like if you're if you're with those games, if you play them too seriously and allow too much bleed, you're doing it wrong. Well, it's designed for a different kind of experience. Yeah. But even if you are playing yourself, the yourself you're playing is so, and something like Dungeons and Dragons tends to be so divergent from what you actually right. are that I feel like there's less bleed. Yeah. No, absolutely, um, absolutely less bleed. And the the people who the the things of what I mean is there's two different levels of bleed and not bleed, and that that's like a just 
even in that system, though, where there are people who, you know, they're playing themselves and it's kind of like a power fantasy or, or, or they're not playing a character seriously. And then you have people who literally show up and have their name and do that same thing every party and it looks exactly like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they're, uh, a druid. With a fox. With a Possibly. fox. Mm-hmm. With a fox. Maybe. Every single time. <laughs> but let's not talk about pumpkins anymore tonight. That's true. Gotta watch out for those pumpkins. Um, by the same token, though, the more I play, like, people talk about everyone has the archetypes that they tend to play, and the more I play, the re- the more I realize that Blake usually, would Heiko would like to say that, that everyone has three ar- character archetypes, mm-hmm. but I've realized that all three of my character archetypes are kind of me. <laughs> it's certainly easier to play a character who you have better understanding of. Yeah, but it sort of makes me now want to push the envelope a little and step outside of just, just instead of instead of pushing out the corners of my personality, actually jumping to something else. You know. Let's see. I'm trying to think of what my archetypes are because one of them is definitely middle-aged drunk, <laughs> intellectual middle-aged drunk. Well, it's you, a positive character archetype. You get a third of that. Yeah. Um, Stay on target. <laughs> and what do you get out of playing that character? I don't know. I just really so, love that character. Okay, it's so it's just, it's just fun. Do you find you have more or less bleed? It's with a that? time machine. <laughs> do you find you have more or less bleed with that the, that than, than than some of the other characters you play? I think I've had some of the most bleed with that one. I think you know. Actually, I think that is that. It's it's the the selection of the the age range is mostly part of that is me trying to distance it with my character, uh, my character for myself, and then also there there are certain aspects of when I think of a character who's a drunk, I think of someone who isn't particularly um, who who doesn't have many spoons to talk in um, for people who uh, like thinking in terms of like I have chronic illness. So I think of people with limited cognitive and emotional resources. And so my, and then I, I have problems expressing myself verbally. So that's a character type who has problems expressing themselves verbally. So I, I, I think there are certain, certain things. It's not like a, I'm trying to do that to excuse my behavior. It's more like these are issues that I feel very personal about. And I just took it and I, I tried to find an analogous area of these issues in this kind of, Really entertaining character. Yeah, like, and and it's already a pre-established trope. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't think it's like some deep psychoanalysis kind of thing. It's just more of a those are those are those are things I very easily relate to mm-hmm. the areas I, I choose to do. I choose to, and and also it's a certain uh, I don't know. Also, it's a certain approach also to the character's amount of masculinity and this put on of masculinity also. Can't be shorter than six foot. Can't be shorter than six mm-hmm. foot. And the character is so is is uh self conscious about that and so has this tries to be sarcastic or not carry, but really does. So Vincent Decano. <laughs> Vincent Decano <laughs> <laughs> Is that a like Oh like Kane from uh from wrestling. From wrestling. From wrestling. Uh, not that's a different, that's a different thing. That, that's a physical. You're thinking of a physical trope. I'm thinking of a. I, I always thought, type. sort of thought of uh, Kane as. Isn't Kane part of the magical? Uh, there's a there's a new nice non-offensive term for it. 
I was assuming It's Kane the was... special needs people are magic trope. Uh, I, you know, uh, I always just assumed that... <laughs> you know that trope. I do, I do know that What is that, that called? Uh, I don't think they call it, uh... They used a to term. have a word for it... I, I don't think they I, call it that anymore. ...that I won't use, yeah. but they have a new, less offensive term for it, even is though... Is it literally sure can, any other term? Because I think that would be... I'm sure we can, yeah, whatever. I think we should, it I'm doesn't sure matter. We the can, point is, point is. that's his trope. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, that's... But I, I... I'm trying to think of other... Susan actually falls into that trope, so it's not necessarily a male character. Susan was like that too, my detective in mm-hmm. Dresden Files. Very lonely characters to have trouble communicating. Can't imagine why that would be the case. Why it would relate to, to people with communication issues. Uh, but uh, I can't think of any. I liked Mara. I think my other one has to be my really upsettingly stereotyped conception of what a teenage girl is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same character that I played. It's. It's neurotypical secretary, who was a character I played for eight hours every day for a year. Did you at least chew gum? I did not chew gum. Then you were doing it wrong. I have a soft spot for playing characters that I've seen for hours and hours on television and movies. I've noticed. I like to take those characters and transplant them in different settings and play them there. (laughs) It's, It's what I <laughs> I, I really liked Found. Found was great. Yeah. I loved hating Found. Yeah, yeah, like, he was he especially was playing a character who liked him. Yeah, <laughs> that yes. that was that was kind of rough at times. That was like, that was a, that was good work, man. That was. Do you do you grab towards any specific archetypes of characters, or <laughs> is you really open to pretty much everything? Uh, I, I have to admit, I uh, prefer. Uh, villains, but, uh... You like the brainer villain. I like the brainer villain. I do. I do like the brainer villain. If you could just be one thing for this fight, who would be an evil brainer? Would it? I wouldn't want to be a snuggle bunny. No, I mean in a game. Oh, okay. It wouldn't be a snuggle bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Be an evil snuggle bunny. Snuggle me forever. (laughs) Or I would blow up the world. (laughs) So what about you? What is Um, your... I like playing the the face or the know-it-all style character a lot. That is, that's sort of my standard go-to, solve things with words instead of guns. I don't know. I, I, I feel like in high school I did enough of playing the same tropes that I kind of got a, a, a bug up my butt about playing different things. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. trying to play different characters. Um... Is there a particular set of archetypes where you feel like you get the most bleed? I've never really been good at, like, archetyping, I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Like, different different characters and different play styles. And maybe that's just because I'm trying to do different stuff every time that it seems like there's so many options that arch- archetyping isn't, doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know. You said you try to play a broad range of different character types. It's true. But, you know, like, any time there's this, the the tests, you know, like, oh, are you a, like, what suit are you for the different, you know, expiration versus, uh, I can't even remember. There's, like, the, the four the club, different ones. Club Time is Hard Spades. But... Yeah, it was that one. And, like, I was about 30% all three of them and then 10, 10% the, the fourth. And it's just like, yeah, no, this this is fun. This is fun. This is fun. 
I don't really enjoy being a troll that much, but sometimes so I do. Club. Sometimes I do. Sometimes, you like do. sometimes it's just like, yeah, let's let's go fuck with people. Um, and you know the the whole three three archetypes. I I have no idea what this would be. It's like for me, there's two. There's the face and something else. <laughs> you know, I, I, think... I will play the 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 smart guy or. I don't know what the TV trip's proper term for it is. The smart guy. Okay. I think I think you're Excellent. definitely of us. You have the most experience with variety in gaming, so you have a better. You're definitely a more rounded gamer than the rest yeah. of us are, and I think you're kind of able to adapt into more roles because of that. And have a great, honestly, I think you have a greater appreciation for more different types of games than the rest of us do. Certainly more than I do. I'm very limited in terms of what I like, so. Well, I'm, you heard us, Bethesda. I'm not sure that great <laughs> is the term I would use. Like, it always impresses me, though, that you can play almost anything and enjoy it. And that's a talent I almost wish I had. Uh, well, part of it is just the newness. I like mm. new games. and You that, like new characters. Yeah. It, it can kind of be a problem. I mean, I have... I was looking the other day at, at all the RPGs I have. That I want to play, and you know, I've got a quiet year, and our last best hope, and the spark, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to do some more early edge, and I want to do more uh, uh, hillfolk. Uh, they're not straight hillfolk. I definitely want to do some of the mm-hmm. the fancier, crazy settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the problem is some of these games I would rather play than run. Like, yeah, like especially, especially. A problem I have is I would rather have played a game before I run it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find, I having the... been from a player side, I have a much greater grasp on how the game should go uh, if, if it was run by someone who knows what they're doing. And then I'm much more comfortable running it. Like, I felt so out of sorts the first time I ran uh, Hillfolk. And part of that was, you know, I read 85% of the book and a lot of that was like in 15-minute increments <laughs> on lunch breaks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know where I was going there. I got kind of derailed. It's okay. No, um, it was and good. my three archetypes are... So my first archetype is the hyper-competent male character. Which, it's kind of boring, because that's the role that I play every single day <laughs> of my life. <laughs> But what it's was, easy. What was his name in uh, Monster Hearts? Oh, uh, Gabe was a little bit. Gabe of a, was a little bit. It was a little bit of a stretch, but stretch. that was that was a specific experiment in, in in traditional masculinity. Yeah, which is something that I don't do well. And he was very. Nice. He did pretty well. I did okay. Well, no, I mean, like, <laughs> no, I mean, just in general, I don't. Yeah, do yeah, well. no, no, I mean, but like the no, the character, the character. Good. Yeah, I, but that that was that was that was actually me trying to play the other, mm. right. But Justin in the, uh, in the, in Heiko's campaign, who was, you know, he was a family man and a building contractor and also a wizard. And he was the voice of the conscience of the, of the group and, you know, this, then the other thing. But you were also the contractor? <laughs> there you go. It was complex. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> he actually was, he was actually a fairly deep character and, and Blake did a really good job of developing that brother-in-law relationship because I was evidently married to his sister. Um... Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, honestly, that was really great. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing that character, but it's not a well I go to a lot, for obvious reasons. 
Um, the other, <laughs> the second character I play is Grace or Ophelia. It's the emotionally vulnerable woman. Mm. And the reason is because that is not the character I get to play every day. Mm. So it's kind of nice to step back and not be the one who has to make all the difficult decisions and to just be able to be the one who reacts and feels things because mm. that's also, I get a lot of bleed out of those characters. I think the third one is the blunt instrument. Typically also female. Mm-hmm. Someone who's got like a large rifle perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well you should have seen the you should have seen the gauntlet I played when we played Scup at uh Gen Con. I could imagine. <laughs> you know, um this is the The Brienne? Kinda. Kinda. Um we can't take that because Brienne is mine. <laughs> I think this is the I think this is the person that honestly I feel like that's the person that I would be unfettered by mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. <Yeah. laughs> you know. So again, I don't think that there I don't think any of those characters is any kind of a stretch for me at all. Which is which is actually disappointing in retrospect. I'm trying to think of who else I've Oh, I know my third thing. It's the it's the lecherous pervert. The lecherous pervert. I forgot. That's you right. Forgot As opposed pervert. to the chaste pervert? No, no. Lecherous <laughs> in the double amplifier is important. It is. You it have is. to understand, in, in our Inquisitor campaign, oh my. I played this character, Pobar, who was a demon prince of Slanesh, and his He had a web weapon, gun he could w- operate uh, with no hands. His weapon was a web gun penis. <laughs> and he was so destructively hedonistic that he would get, like, into a new body and, like, wear it down in, like, two months. <laughs> and you know, normally those last you for years. Not, not Pooh. He was very, uh... He was a he special He likes to experience boy. stuff. And there was a bit of, of Pooh Bar in Susan. Definitely. A little bit of Pooh Bar in Susan. Yeah. I forgot no, about I think the about it. Those, I do have three. I do have three archetypes. I have the... It's... <laughs> It's, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say teenage neurotypical girl. I should really say personality disordered girl. So I'm thinking of, of, um, oh goodness, what was her name? In oh, icons. from icons, yeah. But someone who's, who's very damaged and manipulates because they are damaged. Do you get a lot of bleed from this? So here's the thing, I, I get, I actually get a lot of bleed from all three characters, to be honest with you. Um, I think actually the most joyous bleed I get is from the bruiser. Uh, you, you remember that campaign where we get that hover tag? I remember. <laughs> that, there was a whole lot of bleed there. I was, I was, my, my character was beside herself and I was beside myself the entire session. You were so beside yourself you put another hover tank in a different game so you could experience more hover tank. <laughs> There's never enough hover tank. Damn it. All additional hover tank. I think I get the most, my most bleed probably comes from the angsty, whoopy, what is Whoopi? Whoopi is is the character who everything bad happens to him, and you like that character because they never get the good thing happen to them in their life. Mm. So Detective Goran from Law and Order Criminal Intent is a Whoopi. Um, they're the they're is Daglier a Whoopi? No, Daglier is not a Whoopi because Daglier is an asshole and deserves the things that happen to him. All he wants to do is give little old ladies a good time. Sam is is kind of like a Whoopi. Sam in uh, Sam what? Uh, Sam in uh, all kinds of Sam. Yeah, if there's a Sam in fiction, it's a wolf. Sam in in um, Lord Song of, of Ice and Fire. 
Um, more so than a Lord of the Rings. I think Sam and the Song of Ice Fire. Um, just that they're good-hearted, but terrible things happen to them, and part of the part of being a fan of that character is wanting good things to someday happen for them. And, um, and so, so my, uh, like, my big fucker character is, is kind of almost going into that category in that just has gotten a really kind shit, of a shit lot in the light. A lot of bad but stuff I get the most fucker. bleed from that character, definitely. I get no bleed, almost none from um, the uh, the personality Mara. disorder. Oh no! Yeah, the, yeah, personality disorder. Mara was a special case though, because Mara I related to more. I could tell. It, yeah, and honestly, Mara is a really powerful character. Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed playing opposite Mara. Yeah, Mara was fun. Um. So now we talked about like the characters we like to play and how we get bleed from them. So we, the question was also like, I don't think I don't think anyone wants. Does anyone here ever want less bleed? Not from uh, not from this group. Yeah. Okay. But for example, this is a very safe. Yeah. Group. <laughs> I know everyone here is non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I know the people in this group. <laughs> yeah. I I think a lot of, of the, the things I do in character also require context outside. Not not in terms of... Um, like, when I say a terrible thing, or I have a character do a terrible thing, I need the people around me, to, in order to feel safe to do that, to know that I'm not actually like that in real life, and that requires people, me to know people. It's interesting, actually, because I think the assumption when you go to cons, especially if you're playing indie games, is that People are going to do things in character that they wouldn't do in real life, and that it's sort of a no-judgment zone. I get that feeling. I'm talking more about a character who, say, um, I don't know, fakes a rape charge like certain mm-hmm. characters do. Or uses or a slur. Or uses a slur. There you go. Right. And start that's... seeing people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was Whoa. fantastic. Let's not talk about any characters around here who started eating people. <laughs> any light-hearted game... I don't want to feel... There, I feel like I have two categories of game. Mm-hmm. Serious game that has episodes of Lighthearted and things that are completely... Even at their darkest, are fundamentally silly. To be honest with you, it was interesting because I think that the only game that we played, I feel like that that, that skirted that line with Siren. Or could skirt that, that line. Can you think of another one? Where, like, Siren can go real dark or can be kind of wacky, right? Of the, the more intense gameplay ones, yeah. But part of it also is that, you know, I think the games that Blake comes in and plays for tend to be the more lighthearted, mm-hmm. too. And he takes it in that direction a little bit. Has anyone ever played, like, a dark on Mighty Thews? I want to, but everyone goes Gonzo. Okay. And I let it's them. It's so easy to go Gonzo with it. Um, okay. I, I That's a thing I actually really would like to try sometime. We could probably uh, do a dark on Mighty Thews. You actually have, like... The sort of, the really conan and even, like, Lovecraftian themes that... Because mm-hmm. Howard and Lovecraft actually were compatriots and shared a lot. They cross-pollinated a lot. Oh. That was actually a thing. Well, and you and can I feel like you could do, but... do that in Dungeon World too without too much issue. Oh, you can, but I love running Dungeon World as a tropey goddamn mess. That's I'm not I think saying that's fine. I feel it should be done any other way. <laughs> I'm just saying... You totally can, possible. and people do. Um, in fact, I think the majority of people who play it play it gritty. I just don't. 
Right. Sorry. I think you, you get to have uh, fun in an entirely different way. Mm-hmm. And we play I think so that would be really fun. We play the D and D movie world, though. I would have loved to play Dark Dungeon World. If you ever mm-hmm. are in one, if somebody wants to run, it looks like this campaign is going to go a few more months and then be over. So if anybody wants to run a Dungeon World game, gritty as hell, we can do it. Um, I'm trying to to think of. Oh man, I have a trope I want to talk about after this, uh, but so. We're talking about ways to make maybe get more bleed, right? Right. Um, Unless you had something else you wanted to add right here. I guess. So, I have a lot of friends who are like really, really, really deeply into the kink community. So I'm gonna try and appropriate some terminology and stuff like that. You know, time out here. It's really funny because there's a huge overlap between indie games and kink. <laughs> this is actually a thing. Like, role playing. Uh, and- you're gonna probably say some things that I've that like that have already come up in G plus conversations yeah. that you know, but like, but I think this is important because I don't think a lot of certainly none of the other indie gaming podcasts are talking about this. Well, sort I'm just of thinking stuff. of how I was just thinking, <laughs> no, now you say that I'm mentioning about how people do scenes and stuff like that. Yeah, but go ahead. Uh, but but you know, just just from from the same, if you set out in the beginning, your some very important strict parameters of where people cannot go. When you are warning, so we talked about veils and stuff like needles and stuff, and uh, I think a person could probably strengthen that in some way, and also not breaking character at table helps. Yeah, if you can sit there and listen to a scene as if your character was listening to that scene, though your character obviously should not be hearing that scene, but mm-hmm. just just kind of go through what you what your character thinks about that. Which is something I have trouble with, not, because when it gets too dark... It's hard not to break character. Yeah. It's really hard to sit there for, like, four hours, or three hours, or however long, and try to be that person for that entire time. Which is not to say that you shouldn't discuss the meta. I think this is actually a big thing, for, especially for traditional gamers, it's like, well, you know, embody your character, do what your character would do, don't talk about, don't, don't metagame at all. But metagame is actually so important for these type of in games. In a story game, it's important because you need to know what your character's right. arc might might be. You might you have the skeleton of the fractals of what your character's arcs mm-hmm. could be. There's a difference in but, in metagaming between metagaming to, to have a better idea of what your character would do, and metagaming to have a better idea how to subvert the DM. Because in traditional games, that's usually what metagaming involves, is using knowledge that your character doesn't have to get ahead. Stop those tactical powwows. In whereas story whereas games, in story games you're using character your couch you're using to create dramatic situations. Yes. You may be using it to host your character. Yep. Um, just as likely as you are to use it to get ahead. But you're, even you're, then it's to get ahead in the story not necessarily mechanically. Yeah, you're, and, um, you're trying to create a story, therefore yeah. you should have an idea of what a story arc looks like. I was more concerned about things like things I do, where there are certain owls that wander into scenes and say things Ooh. that are inappropriate for the tone. Sometimes I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, I was talking about myself. Sometimes, sometimes, I I, and to be honest with you, this is a thing that I have been beating out of myself as of the last, you know, probably, I mean, over the course of as we play together. But yeah, sometimes it's just too good, I'm and you terrible. have to say it. I'm terrible. I also should I probably apologize. stop me... eating constantly during our gaming and our and our recording, because... Yeah. What we should probably that... do is have, like, a little owl sound that you can put in at the beginning and the end of any owl interspersion. <laughs> 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 this was, this was a... 
This is one of Blake's uh, uh, inventions. I think it was Hootie the Owl. Was the Hootie the Owl? Hootie the Owl. That was my invention. It's Wills. Oh, it was Wills. Yeah. Uh, then who, who's the GM suggestion crow? That's Hycoves. Okay. It has nothing to do there with it. There was one other bird, but I don't remember what it is. But it was like you know what? Actually, that might be helpful. It might have been uh, Hike, uh, De- uh, Blake. Blake. Yeah. I can say names. I can say names. But. Uh, the the idea was that when when somebody the, the joke was when somebody spoke when they weren't in a scene, uh, you know, <laughs> an owl flies into the scene and says, says that line and then Ooh, flies out. Flies out. <laughs> Must have just been an owl. Damn owls! <laughs> Damn owls! <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, like not breaking immer- not breaking the immersion there is a uh, mm-hmm. is is actually, and that that is an issue for me. Like like it takes me out of the scene when people. I usually don't complain about it because we game to have fun, but. Sometimes, sometimes, honestly, though, I I need the immersion breaking. Yeah. Um, when things get too dark. Yeah. It's like time for a having, coffee break. Having a little bit of, well, not even a coffee break, but just like a little bit of levity when there's a joke and then, or, or something funny that's like just, you know, the 90 degree tangent. And that kind of breaks the tension a little bit and allows me to get back into mm-hmm. it without yeah. getting overwhelmed. Uh, I, I, sometimes, I, sometimes I, I feel like there is too much bleed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it can happen. It, can, it absolutely can, and I think I'm I'm a lot more bleed tolerant than you are. But there was times that I was like, yeah, it's I think of things that, well, you know, run, running monster hearts. I mostly just did my best to suck it up because I felt kind of like, hey, I'm the DM. It's it's not happening to me. Um, <laughs> I can just. I, I'm, I shouldn't okay. be complaining here. If the peop, if the players can deal with it, I can damn well deal with it. And it was hard, but I did it because I felt like that was the appropriate thing to do. You did very well with you that did an though, because job you never that. you never put the. Maybe maybe you should have for you you know in the future just Which, just not. I'm not. This isn't a tie. Just like you know, if you feel like that. Gaming I safe words. Yeah. I like. I really like the veil system. Because it's hard to run a game but where you're like, safe words is actually more akin to the X card. Yeah, the X X card's not a bad idea, but you know, I sometimes I we think, don't necessarily think, oh, we should X card that because we think that's not going to come up. I don't need to say we don't need to X. Well, no, that's the, 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 that's the other way around. What actually, saying, I, I was just saying, like, I I, I don't think I, I think there was actually. I know there was a couple times where you guys said like, hey, let's. Let's change this a little bit, and we did. And I feel like there was there was at least one instance where I did the same thing, but maybe that was just in my head. I think it was a needle thing. Yeah, I, I, it was my fault. Um, um, but the difference between lining and veiling is lining and veiling forces you to lining. That's the word. Sorry, lining and veiling forces you to to state up front the things that you do not want in a game. X card means at any point during a scene. Oh, I see. I like and you can X also card. use X card to nix tone if somebody's breaking tone. It's anything you don't want in the game. He's pointing at me, by the way. I'm, I'm pointing at the, where the X card would be on the table. So the idea is you just touch the X card. And there you go. And, uh, it. <laughs> and, and, and the, this is actually all the Gen Con in the, uh, in the games on demand games had X card. Um, and this is, uh, John Stavropoulos' uh, invention. He's a really cool guy who helps out with games on demand. Basically, yeah, the idea is because you're, Dealing with strangers and, you, and people may not be comfortable saying up front, by the way, I was raped and therefore I have PTSD and this is going to be triggering for me. You can just be like, okay, if something comes up, I touch the X card. Nobody asks any questions. You just you roll it back and move on. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, it's a great mechanic. I don't know if for a group like this, or 
Community oh, I don't know. I, I, I actually wonder if, 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 I wonder if we would ever use it. Or except we would have used it the one or two times when yeah, we, we used the line anyway. We definitely, uh, we did it without, without having it. Yeah. Um, tag abuse. So, so I put on Tumblr. Um, <laughs> you do. And Caitlin's actually an internet entity. We've never seen what Caitlin looks like. We just hear Caitlin's voice. Yeah, so, so as a, um, so I'm, you know, a member of all these, uh, communities on Tumblr, a whole bunch of social justice work. And I think that it's really important that people are able to identify what triggers them and stuff like that. And that it's, it's useful to have like trigger warnings or to be able to draw lines and, but I also think that there are cases in which there are people who will, and it's such a small case. So it's usually not something you have to worry on. I've only, I've only seen it twice where people will use that to sculpt the conversation in the way only they want by insinuating insinuating that everything other than the thing that they want is triggering to them or something like that. So there were people, and and it's a very rare thing. It's not a common occurrence. Because those are bad kind of obnoxious people. Yeah. You wouldn't game with them. Well, you try not to. I mean, and uh, the point is that, like, I've I've been in discussions like this where you think you're having an normal discussion with a person, and the they will set lines down sometimes as a a form of forcing everyone else to do things that are unpleasant to them. Um, there's a lot of times when people are accused of that, and it's bullshit. They're just people who genuinely have trigger, or you know. But um. I think the one thing about the X card, and again, especially cons and, and, and having seen this, it was rarely used. Mm. I think I might have seen one thing X the entire time I was there. And I think part of it was that there's already a tremendous amount of social pressure not to X something, right? So if somebody actually gets up the gumption to tap that card, it's because they really, 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 like, it, it means that much to them that they're willing to, mm. like... Interrupt everyone else's fun. But that's problematic to me in the first place because that means that there's massive pressure for people not to point it out when they are in a deep situation. I, I'm just saying that, like, yeah. and, and the way the way it's presented before the game is, there's a specific way you're supposed to present it to lower that barrier. Right. But I think the fact that there's any barrier at all prevents people from abusing it. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? That there's there's going to be some social barrier there. There's always yeah. going to be a social barrier because it's it's socially hard to say stop. I'm having a problem here, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just remembering cases where, like, you know, you're having a conversation with a set of people. Two people interact. Seeing a man and interact a woman talk to each other. I've been in that kind of setting. That's got to be super rare, though. So. But then you just X-card that person entirely. <laughs> See, it's a self-correcting system. <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, no, there's actually some... Obviously, you're putting it in a funny way. There's some truth to that. Like, at some point, the whoever's facilitating the game calls time out and says, are you sure this is a game you really want to be playing? Because here's the themes that this game deals with, and you seem to be uncomfortable with mm-hmm. them. You can... We'll, we'll, we'll get you in a different game, just like, we don't want you to be unhappy, you know what I mean? Like, And I think, yeah, and I think that's in general, when people, like, if, pe- if everyone has an idea of the, the themes and what sort of bleed you're going to have ahead of time, you set the expectations. Yeah. Then... Someone could easily sign up for Monster Hearts and not know what they're signing up for. That's true. Yeah. We've never had... I think, to be honest with you, the the Monster Hearts graphic, the image, which is two sexy teenagers, one biting the other's neck, is fairly... And I think they're actually naked, although you can't see anything. 
fairly is fairly. I'm curious now. It, <laughs> it does a great deal to imply the game's content. Yeah. I think I think Joe uh, did a did an excellent job when they uh, th- they put that together. Yeah, you can't tell. Yeah. That, oh man. But still, I mean, there, there's certainly no clothes that you can see. But it's, it's but you can it's you super can, sexy. You can make that mistake. You could. You, you absolutely yeah. could. I think I think the thing I'm worried about is it's so be much beach. that thing I, I talked about actually happening. It's about it's people. The beach. I think people should be really clear in their instructions on how to use it because mm-hmm. I've never actually seen it in play. So I'm just wondering why. And, and actually, now that I remember, the only time I saw it used was we were playing a serious game and during during the setup, somebody in, in, uh, put it in, introduced a humorous element, mm-hmm. and somebody discarded it. Like, no, this is this is mm-hmm. not that kind of game. So that's that's what actually the ways you could prevent something from going gonzo. Oh, cool! It's only—it's actually almost better to use the X card in a, gon- in a game that could go Gonzo in the for that because, because to be honest with you, we know where each other's limits are here. Yeah, like we're and we have a very much an "I will not abandon you" mentality, mm-hmm. even though we do use lines and veils and stuff here. Like we go to some dark places, and that's awesome because we trust each other to go to those dark places. You were going to bring up another trope. Or some kink stuff. This is no, not no more kink stuff. Because they're t- talking about t- kink stuff, I will talk forever. Even though I'm not really part of the kink community at all, uh, but you visit it sometimes. I visit it. No, I, I, have, I have so many friends who are in like uh, do all this activism stuff. But anyway, um, I was thinking of this is such a fucking tangent, and I apologize. No, that's fine. Harmful sensation as a trope. By harmful sensation, I mean. Um, Harmful stimulus is true. I think that's that's what it's called. You see this a lot in Lovecraft, but I think it's it's unfairly applied ex- over exclusively to it. It's the idea of the, a concept, seeing a thing, or hearing a thing, or getting a piece of information that's so intense that it is harmful to you psychically or physically. So, like. Seeing the true form of God drives you mad, or something like or that. Or finding out what that prophecy really meant for you and your mother. <laughs> so there's this thing called the Meconic Effect. <laughs> and you look at these different boxes of... So one box will have horizontal stripes, one box will have vertical stripes. In each case, it's black stripes interspersed with stripes of different color. And you look at them for a certain amount of time, it causes perceptual changes on... The level of, of your actual visual processing in the brain. So it's not just like an after image. So afterwards, when you see uh, stripes of any kind in, in the same, uh, of the same width, you will see that color in the stripes. So for example, it can get really distracting if you're reading lines of text because you will see the color in between the, the lines of what you're reading. Hmm. So it just takes like 30 seconds, you'll get this, it'll usually last like an hour. If the cool. longest effect that they've derived, looking at for at it for 15 minutes, caused three months of report factor. Holy crap. Wow. Now, they were treating this as like terrifying, harmful, harmful sensation, you know, like a crafty and looking at it will drive you mad. Which is funny because, you know, if you're having the effect in everyday life, if you scoot back and it's at a different width, it'll go away. But... I thought it was it was funny that we have this this fear that that's even a concept to us that the idea of, that you can just see something or hear something and it'll just drive you nuts. <laughs> you, you don't experience it; you simply see it or yeah. hear it. And I think pre-Lovecraft, you you get them in so, that in some religious traditions, what, like a rap tapping at your door. 
But I mean, uh, this is more like being able to see the Thnords. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I wonder if this doesn't go back to like, I mean, can things that we experience in game affect our lives, like long term? Can you actually, you know, let's say change your wiring, but can things that you are briefly interact with benign things permanently alter you? Or even not benign things in the case of a game, like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're having some serious bleed, you know, can that, that do damage? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. My suspicion is probably if the experience is intense enough. But can it also do good? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I find gaming therapeutic for a whole number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Which we maybe we'll cover on some other podcast. For example, uh, as a uh, future teacher, I intend to use gaming to teach lessons. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll be beneficial and benign. <laughs> they probably won't be D and D. I'm not a math teacher. Involve <laughs> a guy who's missing an arm. Hmm? Are they going to involve a guy who's missing an arm? They might. They might. <laughs> no, I, just started watch- I just started watching Arrested Development. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and. <laughs> Like, apparently, when the guy, the family were kids, uh, there was a guy who uh, lost his arm, had a prosthetic, and his their, their dad would use him, hire him to help teach the kids lessons. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the worst way possible. Like, oh, you forgot to write a note about the milk. I'm going to drive along, and I'm going to run into this guy, and his arm will fall <laughs> off. And it's the kid's fault for not having... And, like, and then the guy comes over after the accident, and, like... Rolls down the window is like, and this is why you always remember to write a note. <laughs> like while he, like fake blood is streaming out of his his arm. Terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible. God, I love that show. There's our levity for the evening. <laughs> I get curious about the idea of. Obviously, I don't think something like what I mentioned is going to happen. Negatively, as a response, as a result of of something bad happening in a game, I don't think someone's going to be driven mad by hearing some, yeah. But I do think that uh, I, I wonder sometimes about the fringes of of things people discover about themselves, which I usually think of as a positive thing. Um, and then also, all uh, people unexpectedly having to relive certain things, and um, whether or not that can have lasting effects on people in the same way, like almost like little miniature traumas. Sometimes you can even just have a a power trip and that can be uh, negative because the person either wants to experience some part of that in their real life and and they attempt to recreate that themselves. Now, being a wizard is pretty hard. (laughs) Didn't you have a roommate? I did. Who uh... was a wizard. Mm -hmm. Wizard people. We forget about them. We make fun of them, but we shouldn't. Kept, Some kept people track have. of like XP every time you cast a spell, and do you actually gain up? XP for uh, casting a spell? Yeah, well, yeah in, like a level one spell is not much XP. So. This is AD and D. No. Oh, this was his own made up rule set. Sure. Oh, I remember this story. Yes. yes. So kids, don't, don't don't try to be wizards at home. They're all parlor tricks. Go but to magic school. You to the the, the talk about micro trauma and like especially if people have. You know, things already have a susceptibility to one thing or another. I think that's a very real thing, and I think that's that's one of the reasons we have sort of these protective measures in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely think people can have weird stuff. Yeah, no, not really. I, I mean, well, 
in a couple of different ways. One is they've they've actually shown that if you consume fiction, that you behave more like the characters in the fiction that you consume. It makes sense. Yeah. You tend to internalize, especially if, if the main character, if, if it's written from their perspective, you tend to internalize their characteristics. And this is an experience that I've had reading, especially when I was younger. So obviously I need to read more books with rich protagonists. That just be douchier. Um, but no, but the, 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 the opposite is, actually, is, is obviously true. I think a lot of people game, whether they know it or not, for self-exploration and... They can learn things about themselves over the course of, of playing a game. And that's the thing that can happen. And whether it's something they would have figured out anyway, or whether it's good or bad that they figured that out. I'm really a supervillain. There you go. I think that, that, that's, a, that's good. That's gotta be on a case by case basis. I think in the end, it's probably always better to know more about yourself than less. Yeah. So sometimes I wonder with cases, there are cases in, in which a person is kind of, like, kind of partially has a tendency or something like that, and and they they practice on it. Oh, who's that? Develop it actually into a persona. Who's so. that kid who uh, went to jail after killing his new girlfriend's parents because he thought he was a vampire? Oh, that asshole! Yeah, God, he's he had like the emotional a... age of like a three year old or something like that, or a five year old. He was a seven year old. This guy had been uh, playing Vampire the Masquerade. Masquerade. This is my review for the game. <laughs> so, so, this is just a bad idea to begin with. It's a very good game because it's got excellent bleed. Because <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> he killed a bunch of people. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> anyway. Um, so uh, he eventually uh, started internalizing this Vampire the Masquerade character. And I think he would have... He had to begin with. Which is just... No, he would he would have found whatever he could have found and internalized that as whatever it was that he was. If he, if there was a game that was about demons or like being some kind of blue cyborg with a cannon up for your left arm or right arm, I'm sorry, I don't know Mega Man very well. He would have chosen that. <laughs> My concerns are less about about people becoming serial killers and more about people with you know uh, tendencies who already have trouble distinguishing fantasy from reality or. People with violent tendencies. Well, it's part like of that. it. He certainly thought he was a vampire. That's not. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I'm saying in a more. But like, just like anything else, like if, if you're from an alcoholic family, you probably shouldn't start drinking. If you're yeah. if you're borderline schizophrenic, you should probably consider engaging in fantasy. Pick up smoking. There you go. Does it help? Actually, yeah, works. actually, and they actually it helps with ulcerative colitis too. But that's like the only other have, thing. See, so, you know, people with schizophrenia who, who no smoke why. have. Fewer smoking side effects than people without schizophrenia. It sounds pretty good, guys. There's there's a, a whole bunch of, of questions as to why that is. Part of it has to do with there being less of a nocebo effect. Because part of they think part of the reason side effects have increased, uh, the negative effects of smoking seem to smoking seems to have become more um, likely to lead to fatal side effects since it was discovered that it. Yes, and so there's believe that some of that is actually nocebo effect in terms of nocebo. It's the opposite of a placebo, so it's like a harmful thing. So, so you give someone a a pill and you tell them a sugar pill and you tell them, oh, it has these side effects. Mm -hmm. Those patients often manifest those side effects. Mm -hmm. You have 24 hours to live. There's a really complex set of. Oh yeah, I'm not sure the nocebo effect can give you cancer. Well, the idea is that maybe it has to do with instead stress levels. See, that's what or, I think it is because you know you're doing something that's harmful right. to you, so you're probably not which treating yourself increase, well in other ways. Which Absolutely. can increase your risk. But of also, if you think that you have a higher chance of cancer, 
you're more likely to go and get checked to see if you have cancer. Sir, and get which means if you do have cancer, it's more likely to get caught. It's true. Huh? There's a whole bunch of things to control for, but I don't remember any of them, and I'm not going to make them up right now because that could be harmful. It could be. The point so is... Go smoke. <laughs> the point is... But only if you're schizophrenic. What I was actually going to say is, is that... Uh, Obviously, schizophrenic should just smoke in role-playing games. <laughs> oh, do you get the same benefits, you think? Maybe. Maybe they should do a study. They should. So so as someone, so someone who's, who's like really, who's really close family member is and also one of my best friends, both of psychotic disorders, Get a light around your very, very mm-hmm. good at, at the gaming. And I would say that in their case, it maybe has even helped with the practice of reality testing. Because so. you play something that's clearly fantasy and so yeah. you can help differentiate there. But that's going to be, obviously, I think that will be situational. Very much case by case. We do not encourage people who have difficulty difference. distinguishing yeah. fantasy from reality. Talk to your doctor first. Because yeah. insanity and mental illness are not synonymous things. No. Those are two very different... Yes. You know. Well, insanity was a generally well, unhelpful a, term. Well, yeah, it's a legal term. But I mean, like, when people think of, of crazy people, you know, you have a little Venn diagram. I do love Venn diagrams. Yeah. yeah. Go out and buy a Venn diagram. <laughs> a lot of the people who are who are who do not meet the criteria for anything negative are going to be in that thing you worry about with fantasy and reality I think. I think of think of conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy theorists have all, often have nothing, you know, going on with them psychologically. Um other than the very like rational fear of lizard people. <laughs> how did I get how did I get on this? Uh, I think aliens did it. <laughs> it yes. must be the case. Yeah. But it was the it was the it was the uh the short craze. The short yeah, it was the short craze. Not, not, the, not the not tall the reptilians. Not the reptilians. No, yeah. no, the rep, the reptilians want us to Wait, be playing the We're talking games. Earth reptilians or draconians. Oh good call. It's an important distinction. You know what? I think the Earth reptilians have more mind control, don't they? What about the Pleiadians. Yeah. Pleiadians. I don't know, they seem kinda of not nice. The Pleiades are cool as hell, but they can they can they can mess with your brain. Yeah, man, you can't. You Who's can't... our intergalactic ally? We've got two, don't we? Well, sometimes you hear the Greys are good, and sometimes you hear Bullshit. they're bad. I think they're playing both sides. I think they're double agents. Oh, I think you're right. I've seen them in XCOM. They're not like no good. The matter may be neither black nor white. <laughs> Take that, your fantasy. I'm glad, I'm glad the, the radio listeners can't see my autistic hand flaps. Caitlin <laughs> hey, actually grows new hand flaps. <laughs> right off of her palm. It's see quite my, disgusting. Like, malicious beard stroking. So. Yanni totally stroking his beard maliciously. <laughs> Whoa! Don't, don't die. Don't fall. Don't die. That was less stable than I thought it was. Yes, yeah, so we once had a structural failure. Yes. Don't game uh, in dangerous chairs. It's not the chair that's dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's the occupants. I'm, I'm in the danger chair. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's the, the fact that I have no capacity to balance myself ever. Learn chair safety. Learn chair safety. safety is very important. Some people I've seen <laughs> around the like, missile endorses chair safety. Before using this machine, remember to consult gravity. A health specialist. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, some people around the game store could probably get, get a uh, crash course in chair safety. <laughs> or if they don't, they will. Well, that was an interesting discussion, I think. Yeah. I think. I think it was important. It was good. Especially the alien part. Especially the alien well, part. You'd be surprised what you're not listening to last podcast I'm, on the left I'm on the King County Network. I'm triggered by aliens. That's what triggers me. And if you're mm. if you're out there, you AdamandEve.com, we want that sponsorship. <laughs> it's just got everything. 
We'll take. Uh, I'll take Adam and Eve's We'll take Sherry's berries. We'll take. It's one of Sherry's berries. We want Sherry's berries are delicious. We want a sponsorship. You heard it now. <laughs> we don't want much pay money. Pay us money, and we will be your shills. You know what? Be, to be honest, don't pay us very much money. Yeah. We want to look like we're big guys. So if you give us a sponsorship, we'll look bigger. Yeah, we need like twelve or thirteen dollars. We will be bigger if you give us the next year sponsorship. <laughs> If you want to send us some of your product too, whatever it is, <laughs> we'll, hawk, we'll hawk it on air. I'll name we my no firstborn son after you. <laughs> now go to school, AdamandEve.com. <laughs> Do you have to put in the dot com? Yes, it was part of the contract. It's not now, the Adam trick is, is you, you name them with a tiny URL. Um. <laughs> so then everyone like is like curious what their their name is. Like <laughs> and and, get, and you get more traffic that way. Interesting. <laughs> like Bitly seven G five nine. Screw up here. <laughs> what do you redirect to? You'll just have to go uh, and find yeah, out. Me. My mom says I can't visit the website until I'm eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is fully copyrighted by its hosts. Visit us at podcastmagicmissile.com. I Podcast Magic Missile, attacking the darkness since 2012.